This is life. This is life. 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 This is life with Lisa Williams. Today, I want to share one of my best friends with you. Her name is Marie Cook, and she's one of the busiest people I've ever met. For example, what have you already done today, Marie? You know, I sip sweet tea by the pool. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, we're planning for this really big birthday party coming up in just a few weeks for kids with special needs. So I've been working on that all day, just kind of planning mm-hmm. the events. Make them smile, which um, I was there last year and I, I was floored by how many people were there around Lake Eola, downtown Orlando last year celebrating it's Nathaniel's birthday. Nathaniel um, lives in heaven, Marie and Tim's third child, and his birthday party has become pretty gigantic. How many people were there last year? Last year, we had over 25,000 people at the event. <laughs> Is that crazy? <laughs> Including like over 2,500 kids with special needs who we call VIP kids because I hate the term handicapped and disabled because they're kids before they're a disability. So it's a big, big celebration. We think it's the biggest party in the United States, as far as we know. 25,000 plus people. The point is that families who don't have a VIP child and families who do have a VIP child come together. And actually, we're also trying to break, you know, tear down the barriers that people may have when sometimes we're, we see differences in each other. Instead of looking at things that we have in common, we look at the differences and those tend to cause fear and separation. So we're trying to break down those barriers and just create a venue where uh, people can get together and build friendships, you know, that maybe would have never existed before. And this all began because, you know, 18 years ago this June or June 6th, um, Nathaniel's birthday would be, that would be his celebration. This year would be his 18th birthday. We kind of fought for his life for four and a half years. He um, had an undiagnosed syndrome, and but was a very involved child. If anybody who's ever been a caregiver knows the demands that that might take, but his care was 24-7. And for four and a half years, we just loved him and cared for him. And we're kind of thrown into the whole world of disability, the whole special needs community, which was very foreign to us. And then unexpectedly, you know, without our permission, at the age of four and a half, he had a change of address from earth to heaven. You know, now we feel like we're called to support this community of special needs and to kind of cheer them on and to also educate and equip the community to pull alongside these families to make a difference. And a lot of our focus is the church community as well to make a difference in the lives of Christians. One of the things in this life that brings me great joy is when I can introduce people that I love to people that I love. And so it's a real joy (laughs) for me to introduce Marie Cook to you if you don't know her and if you've never heard of Nathaniel's Hope, which is based out of Orlando, Florida, and Make Them Smile is coming up in a couple of weeks, as Marie mentioned. But there's also something called Buddy Breaks that I really want to talk about. I want you to know about Buddy Breaks uh, because they're awesome. Um, but before we do that, would you just tell us a little bit of your story, Marie? Like, who are you and where did you come from? And <laughs> what are you all about? Okay, my story begins in Chicago. Where I was born. I was a, a Chicago city girl, born and raised in Chicago and I went to Chicago Public High School. And when I was 16 years old, uh, that's really when I learned about the Lord and gave my heart to Christ when I was 16. And that was kind of a turning point for me. And, um, you know, went on to college, to Wheaton College, and I laid my spiritual roots really there. But while in college, I ended up getting married to a man that um, we had met at church when I first um, got saved. You know, we had um, the joy of being married for four years. And then suddenly, our journey was abruptly uh, changed when around Halloween time, he started to get sick. And 
we went to the doctor thinking that maybe he had the flu or something. And the doctor said, yeah, just go home, have orange juice, chicken soup. And then when we um, continued on the journey, about a week later, we went back, his symptoms were getting worse. And we found out that uh, he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease. Wow. And um, wow. at the time, yeah, at the time that was very unexpected because here's a 24-year-old who's very uh, healthy. And uh, at the time we were youth pastoring in Minneapolis area. When that happened, um, it just began to rock our world a little bit. The church was right next to the hospital where he was at. And, and honestly, the, the teenagers were there night and day praying. And we had uh, people from the church that were that stood with me night and day. And, um, and we really believed God was going to heal him. And that was going to be um, just a, a real revival was going to break out with the youth and God was going to use it for his glory. And then... Um, on New Year's morning, I was by myself for the first time in the chapel, a long time by myself, because people had always surrounded me and stood with me on this journey. And I was reading when uh, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, Father, I don't want to take this cup, yet not my will, but yours be done. And I remember so distinctly at that time that um, I I just broke, and I said, God, um, I realized at that point that I hadn't surrendered my will to him. I had told him everything I wanted him to do, but I didn't surrender my will. And at that moment, I said, Lord, if you heal him, I'm going to serve you. If you take him home, I'm going to serve you. I'm, I'm totally committed to um, being your child and to doing whatever you want me to do. And then um, as it would happen, uh, you know, an hour later, uh, he went to heaven. But God had prepared me for that moment. Um, what year was that? Uh, 1989. Mm -hmm. That was a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, really, <laughs> and, though, um, but it was so major in your life. But you're right, it was a long time ago. And and then what happened? Well, after that, I said, God, what's going to happen to these kids who have been trusting you and have been, um, you know, believing for you to heal him and 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 just, you know, laid it all before you? What's going to happen to them? And 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 I felt like the Lord said to me, "You're going to be the next youth pastor." And as it happened, um, the pastor came to me and and just uh, felt like the Lord had laid it in his heart that I was to take over the youth. So I began youth pastoring with the kids, and we kind of walked the journey of grief, which was a very painful journey at the time. And um, we had actually, um, you know, we would cry together, we'd pray together, you know, but we just saw that God was very much in our midst, you know, and he held us and he um, just walked that painful journey with all of us. And we saw him come to be so faithful during that time. And I remember, you know, at times I would want to say, God, um, I don't know what I need right now. You know, people say, you can call me, you know, and you just think, I don't feel like calling anybody at 11 o'clock at night. Say, I'm really lonely. I need something. And I would just pray and say, God, I don't know what I need right now, but I just pray you take care of me. I remember one night, 11 o'clock at night, I had just prayed that I was really just sad and lonely. And I remember hearing a knock on my door, which was kind of strange because I lived on the third floor and of, of a, you know, kind of a gated apartment um, area. And I look out my little peephole and I see this big old chicken standing outside my door. A big what? <laughs> a big chicken, like a big, you know, it was, it was somebody that was like a, somebody in a costume, you know, and I opened up my door and I figured it was one of my kids from my youth group. And I came in and I said, we were just coming home from the game. They were the mascots at their high school. And they said, I did, we just felt like God told us to stop in your living room and start doing cheers. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know, isn't that, isn't that just how neat God is and how well he knows us? And I would never know to pray, God, please send me this chicken, you know, <laughs> to minister to me. But God sent me this chicken. <laughs> but I think that was just an example of how he takes care of us. And he knows exactly what we need when we need it as we just surrender to him and just, you know, uh, just say, God, I trust you you and and I know that you can take care of me in my most um, painful moments you know my most lonely moments I, that he can take care of us so that was 
a great lesson for me to learn. And so the youth group began to grow and uh, we just, you know, saw kids getting saved and, um, the, and just wanting to pursue uh, him. And, you know, you think about the scripture verse that says, unless a grain of wheat falls, you know, and dies, nothing really grows unless that happens. And we just saw revival begin to happen um, in the youth group. At that time, you know, I was kind of like, God, I want to just serve you. I'm going to stay here in Minnesota forever. And when you're done with me, take me home. I was, I was youth pastor and I was working at North Central, what is now North Central University. I was teaching in communications there. It was just a, it was just a, a really uh, sweet season, just totally being focused and serving him. And, and I didn't have any desire to remarry. And we had some friends down in Florida who said, you know, um, they were just watching me closely because they had done divorce and death recovery seminars. They wanted to make sure I was going through all the steps correctly. And they said, you know, come down and take a vacation. I'm like, no, no, I'm serving God. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm really in the zone, you know. And they said, well, come down and speak. It's like, okay, I can do that. That's for Jesus. So <laughs> I came down and uh, they tried to introduce me to a man named Tim who he said, we think you guys could be good friends. You know, they said, let's go out for ice cream. We'll take the kids. We'll take the dog. I'm like, no, I can't do that. That's like a date. You know, and so and I wasn't ready for that. I was thinking I was going to be single forever. And um, I come down to Florida and uh, I, I do a little three day Disney cruise, and God deals with me about remarriage. And I just said, God, if you ever wanted me to remarry, I'm, I'm going to just ask you to drop this man in my lap. I don't want to date. I don't want to do anything. I just, to, to pursue that, I just want you to do it for me. You know, I just really surrendered that. I get off the cruise, stay with this pastor and his wife. And they say, hey, do you, do you care if Tim comes over for dinner? And because I had surrendered, I said, no. And so um, he came for dinner and it, there was no fireworks or anything at the time. But I did learn he was going to be in Minneapolis a week later. And so he came to Minneapolis and I didn't want anybody to know that I was on a date. So I took him to St. Paul. So I didn't want anybody to see me from the church you know, for dinner. And we had a great time. And then he just became my friend from Florida. And we would, he'd call me and we'd talk and we'd, um, you know, share scripture, we'd pray. And he was just my friend from Florida. <laughs> and so we had, a, we had a really fun uh, friendship. And we, um, you know, it was just exactly what I needed. God knew what I needed. A, a long distance relationship was great. And Long story short, I'm in Minnesota, he's in Florida, and I knew that my heart was getting involved. I just said, God, if you want me to pursue this anymore, you're going to have to give me a piece about this because I don't want to leave the call that you have on me. And um, I went on this three-day fast, and when I got off of that, I just felt like he said, yes, this man is for you. And little did I know when he was coming up to see me that time, he had a ring in, the, in with him to propose to me. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I had surrendered and that was it. We got married uh, in Minneapolis in the morning, Orlando at night. We had two <laughs> weddings in one day just to really lock in the deal, you know. <laughs> and that kind of became our journey and came down to Florida and began youth pastoring again at a, a large church in Orlando here. And Everything was going well, and um, we had our first daughter, and then um, we had our second daughter, and we, we started a missions organization working in uh, Guatemala, and um, had a few missionaries on the field, and and then all of a sudden, uh, along comes our third child, uh, a very unexpected season, because at 28 weeks, we found out that... Um, I was rather large. And of course, I'm thinking I'm eating too many bonbons and, right. you know, I just in not uh, doing what I should be doing because I was very large. And um, come to find out, I had a, he had a blockage in his intestines. So I was getting larger. And because he was the amniotic fluid was continuing to grow in me. And at 32 weeks, I was measuring at 42 weeks. I was really large, went into premature labor. And then a uh, second night, I was in a the hospital. They told me I. I had to I have an emergency C-section because there was a fatal infection in my amniotic fluid. And at the time, um, you know, I didn't um, 
realize the journey that we were going to begin, but they did emergency C-section in the middle of the night. And when Nathaniel was born, he had an APGAR of three, a room full of doctors, and we almost both lost our life during the delivery. And that was the beginning of our journey with our son. Um, 18 years ago. 18 years ago this June. Gosh, it's been 18 years and so much has changed. So Nathaniel set in motion a completely different course for your life. He did. He threw us in a community that we weren't prepared to be a part of. You know, it was a community that we didn't want to be a part of, to be honest. You know, it was a community that was very foreign to us, the whole world of special needs and disability. We didn't know a whole lot about it. In fact, when I was a youth pastor, I remember oftentimes I would see kids with disabilities in the church. I'd high five them and hug them and, and think I had done my duty ministering to these families. And little did I know um, until I had our son, you know, the needs, the, the, the deep needs that families had that have children with special needs. Um, I've heard Marie tell the story of being um, in the hospital their first Christmas and looking at her husband saying, where's the church? Because it was Christmas Day and it was so quiet and sad to be in the hospital on Christmas Day. There was this awakening that seemed to happen where you realized the church and they're not really reaching out to us and we're a family with a child with special needs. And it's like, we're now off the radar of people's care, right? Yeah. It's hard when, you know, when you have a child with special needs and if you, I mean, I mean, it can vary so much because it could be physical, it could be cognitive, it could be medical. I mean, whatever it is, it it takes you on a different path. You know, sometimes that path is in the hospital. Sometimes it means that you can't be out um, in public as much or you can't attend typical uh, events that typical families would do because your child has different needs that might be challenging in group settings, you know, Mm -hmm. and in the case when you have a medical need, of course, you're, you're so much um, a caregiver. You know, sometimes the caregiving is 24-7 and, you, and, f- and families never get a break. In our case, you know, when our son, when he'd be in the hospital, we would be um, trying to manage a, our daughters who are three and five at the time right. when he was born, as well as trying to take care of him and trying to maintain our marriage and all these things. And it was very, very stressful um, yeah. and very difficult journey. I did not meet Marie until Nathaniel relocated to heaven. It was in that year after he passed away that Marie and I met. And so I've never known her not in full time moving forward, helping kids with special needs ministry, (laughs) (laughs) but it's nice just to hear, you know, the background of your story. I'll just tell a little bit of how Marie has impacted me because I was always like a cheerleader, like, Oh, go Marie. That's awesome. You help families with VIP kids. I'll talk about you and I'll cheer you on and, um, yay, you go girl. <laughs> and then <laughs> a couple of years ago at my church, I started to have this, um, deep pain inside realizing there was nothing for families with children with special needs. I had talked to one mom who has a daughter on the autism spectrum and she had stopped bringing her to church because it was just too difficult for her sisters, the, the little girl's sisters, because they were having to take care of her at church. And so she just didn't come to church anymore. And I called Marie and I remember this conversation so well. I took so many notes and I wept and wept while Marie was just pouring out her heart about there are no disabled souls and everyone should have the right to go to church. Every church should have um, a a door that's open. And then just, um, would you like quote that scripture that you know about 
the party when God's throwing a party. Yeah. And the book of Luke, you know, this is my paraphrased version. You know, <laughs> when we, when we, uh, it's the, the scripture about the banquet, you know, uh, who's coming to the banquet, we set the table, you know, and we, when we like to set the table or have a party, we make our list. And of course we all want Lisa to be on our guest <laughs> list. And, <laughs> and we kind of make a list of all the people that we enjoy being with or fun to be with. And, and, you know, and then we sometimes forget that the Bible is very clear and it says, you know, when you make your guest list, we need to go out and find the lame, the the lame, the maimed, the blind, and the crippled. I mean, it's he tells us to go out and be intentional to reach this community and to invite them in, to bring them in to the table, to the banqueting table. And then as we do, the blessing is going to come. But so often when we set the table, we begin to make our our guest list, you know, we become tolerant to this community of special needs instead of being intentional to welcome them in and to say, you know, open up our arms and say, we want you to be here. We're welcome. Let's get equipped to be ready um, to take care of you and to make sure you're a part of our family and you can sit at this table with us. So with Nathaniel's Hope helping and Marie helping with my very good friend, Sarah, we were able to start a program called Buddy Break, which is one of the ministries of Nathaniel's Hope, so that families in my community would have a place for respite, free respite, four hours every uh, Saturday, every um, first Saturday of the month. And this is one of the programs offered because this matters. And I believe that God gave Marie and Tim the path that he gave them in this life and honored them with the gift of Nathaniel as their son because he knew their ministerial heart and passion to see and to create and then to move forward. And so I just wanted to say all that because I love Tim and Marie and Nathaniel's hope and what they're doing in the earth. And I want to encourage you to please consider talking to your pastor or talking to your friends or talking to your children's pastor about Buddy Break. If your church has no program for children, VIP children, uh, children with special needs, then Buddy Break is a great place to start. So that, I just wanted to say that because that, that, that was like everything I was driving towards, that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was going to say, Lisa, a lot of times people will say, but we, we just want to figure out how to take care of kids on Sunday morning. Don't ask me to do another program. You know, you're, I, I can barely uh, know how to contain uh, a child with autism on Sunday morning or when somebody comes in with uh, ADD or learning disabilities. I don't know what to do, you know. And here's the deal about doing a parents' day out program slash respite care program is that, you know, I mean, of course the kids are having fun where on Sunday morning, you're trying to squeeze them into everything that you're trying to do, you know, with typical kids and you've got your program going and you're trying to, you know, uh, put these kids in a box kind of, you know, buddy break is all about them. Secondly, parents get a break. How hard is it for families to get a break? You know, you can't just call the girl down the street to babysit. So, so the church is kind of giving that cup of cold water to a family impacted by disability. But then I think for the church, one of the greatest things is is, is uh, it trains volunteers. You know, this is an mm-hmm. opportunity for people to to have a, a science lab on learning how to interact with kids with disabilities and build relationships. That now you can take these volunteers and and plug them in on Sunday morning, and they they understand the kids. They've got relationship, and they can kind of be a buddy and help them integrate into um, the the mainstream program that's happening on Sunday mornings. So I, there's a bigger picture to this, to being um, welcoming and inclusive of kids with special special needs, you know, um, and families within the church by using a respite care model. I know that this is a need for our eyes to be opened to love 
the quote-unquote least of these and realize they are the gems, the apple of God's eye. So I just wanted to tell you about that. I wanted Marie to share a story. I wanted you to get to know Marie better and you will hear from Marie again if you continue to listen to this show because she's one of my closest friends and we have a lot to learn and she can teach us on just little things and big things and all kinds of things when it comes to loving VIP families. And we're like totally out of time. So now we have to say goodbye to Marie. (laughs) (laughs) It was fun. (laughs) So nathanielshope.org. Or you can just come to lifewithlisawilliams.com to find out more. I just want to encourage um, everyone that if you, uh, as you meet kids with special needs and families impacted by disability, you know, invite them into your life. You know, don't be afraid to say hello. Don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't just don't be afraid to um, to be there to be Jesus with skin on to these families. And um, if there's no previous experience necessary. I was going to say, Lisa, you didn't have previous experience before you work with kids with special needs. All it is is you know having a willing heart, open heart, and lots of love in your heart. And God will use that. Hashtag thanks for listening.